Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord, as always, we give you permission to do whatever you want to do in our hearts, to speak whatever you want to speak. We pray, Lord, particularly that you would illuminate our minds, hearts, and souls, that they would be fertile soil for the word that you speak that would bring healing, hope, peace, strength, and light to our minds and hearts. Lord, reveal to us the face of Jesus, the face of the Father. Convict and console our hearts. Speak, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to start my talk with a little story. So for two summers, my, the summer between, my, I left LSU after my junior year to go to seminary. So that summer between LSU and seminary, and then the, the first summer after my first year in seminary, I worked at Camp Chasatonga. Uh, many of you have been there, know there. We got a lot of Chasatongas and Kata Lady here uh, at Christ the King. And crazy thing, right, a guy from Louisiana, um, by the fact that maybe there was no one else available, was on rock climbing staff. So I'm on rock climbing staff, and we're there early, like taking lessons about how to climb and set up climbs and make sure everything is safe. And so one of the main guys who was kind of teaching us and walking us through, because that particular year a lot of us were new, was like, hey, look, we have a little break. I mean, he's super adventurous. He's like, hey, we have a little break. I want to go. I've never done this particular classic climb, and it wasn't super hard. It was in Linville Gorge, but it was a five-pitch climb. So this is like five rope lengths. Like you go up, and then you, you anchor, and then you go, and you anchor. He's like, okay, let, let's go find it. I know generally where it is, and let's go climb it. And we're all like, of course, let's rock this out, right? So we get there, and we're planning for this to be a pretty quick deal. Even though it's a five-pitch climb, this guy is very experienced. But the rest of us are not very experienced at all. So we get there. Linville Gorge is, they call it the Green Grand Canyon. So at the bottom is the Linville River. And then the, the ridge goes up anywhere from 1,500 to 2,800 feet above the river. So it's pretty high ridges. And you come in and you hike along the ridge. So we're hiking along the ridge and it's like, okay, I think this is where we go down. And we descend down about 350, 400 feet. And we get to the base of this climb. And he's like, all right, here we go. We're going to climb up. And we're climbing up. In, there are five of us. And so first there's a group of three that are tethered together with two ropes. Of course, Super Carl is leading us uh, on the front of that group. And then there's a group of two of us. It's me and another guy on the bottom who are going, and we're tethered together on a rope. So we're going up. And it's not going quite as smoothly or as quickly as, as Carl had hoped because of all the newbies here. Um, and at one point up there, like, there was a particular anchor, and I'm like, hey, I'm not sure this thing's set right. And Carl's like, yeah, it's set right. And I'm, I'm leading the, the second group of us, and I'm like, mm, <laughs> I'm a little nervous about this, my man. I don't want to, we're like midway up, you know, so I don't want to topple down 150, 200 feet. So 
Super Carl like climbs down, like, yep, everything's cool, and then he climbs all the way back down to go get all of our backpacks, because we would have had to go hike down anyway. Climbs back up anyway, it's taking us longer. We're getting to the top, and it's starting to get dark, and it starts to rain. And none of us had been to the top of the climb. So no one had been to the top of the climb. Carl was the only person who had been in the general area. So they're getting to the top, and, I, and I'm the fourth of the fifth of us there, and it's, it is getting dark. Two of us brought headlamps. We're real prepared to stay there all day. Not really. No one has food. Two people have headlamps. We're getting to the top. It's raining. So the, the, as the second person gets over, Carl's like, hey, go find the trail. And he, they're trying to find the trail to get to the ridge for us to hike out. And there are three trees that are across the trail, and it's dark and raining. When I say it's dark, we're in the middle of nowhere. Like, there are no lights except the two headlamps that we have. So we make our way up. It starts raining. It's really dark. And at night, it gets cold. It is freezing. So we're climbing over these trees on what we think is the trail. And then we kind of get on the ridge trail. And we're hiking out. And it's Carl in the front with the light. Someone, me, another person. And then the fifth person in the back has a light. And we're hiking out. And we, none of us had been to this particular place. We hadn't been that far and so in my mind, I'm just like looking to the right, darkness. Oh, that's the left, right? I'm looking to the left, darkness. I'm looking to the right, darkness. And the wind is just whipping because we're on the top of this ridge and it is freezing. And shirt and t-shorts, uh, t-shirt and shorts, man, my brain tonight, right? Um, and so all I'm thinking as I'm looking, I'm looking to the right and the left, I don't have a light, so it's pretty dark. I don't have a light, and I'm just like, you, what's gonna happen is we're gonna get stuck out here, and we're gonna, we're gonna, this is what we're gonna have to do is like all of us snuggle up in a ball underneath a rock so we don't try not to die of hypothermia. And that, that is all that's going in my head. Like, we're not gonna find our way out. We're gonna be, we're gonna die huddled up together, frozen, and people are gonna come find us and be like, what is going on here? This is really awkward, right? And so I just keep thinking of all this crazy stuff, and then every now and then the trail takes a curve, and there's, there's a huge drop-off. Like sometimes the trail, there's 20 feet before the ridge, and sometimes the trail is literally on the edge. And we're talking 1,500 to 2,800 feet, and it wasn't a complete solid drop-off, but it was not a slip and slide on the way down. And so every now and then we come to an edge, and you'd see like the light behind me would kind of shine, and I would just see like, darkness going down. I'm like, yep, don't want to do that, right? And so there's just fear because I don't know where I am. It's freezing cold, and then the fear is getting in my head. We might die. There's no food. None of us have clothes, but then it just like, you know, there's this kind of voice in my head is like, hey, just look at the light. Just look at the light, and the light's a few people in front of me, and, I, and as long as I look at the light, I'm not paying attention to all the darkness around me, and the fear begins to subside, and I begin to think, Carl, by this point, knows where we're going. He knows where we're going. He has the light. I'm following him, and I can't see where I am stepping because the person behind me, the light is too far behind me in the light in front, but I'm just like following the light in this kind of 
the person just in front. And as long as I did that, I wasn't consumed in fear. And then the next thing you know, we're at the truck. I'm like, we made it home. No hypothermia. No one's going to find us balled up together in the awkward <laughs> position as we are dying. And we make it home. And I tell that story because we're living in some really interesting times. There's a lot of fear. I have fear. Everyone I talk to has some level of fear, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's relationships in our own home, whether it's how nice and smooth the, the politics are in our country right now, right? Not. The civil unrest. I mean, you, you name it. There's so many things that can just consume us with fear, with fear. And the more that we stare at them, the more fearful we get. And when we're afraid, one of the things that happens is we begin to think in like a fight or flight response, right? I'm either gonna, I'm either gonna fight as hard as I can or, or I'm gonna run. And then when I get into the fight or flight response, what happens is my brain, like reasoning starts to shut down. That's part of like, Part of physiologically, when you're in fight or flight, you, you're not supposed to think as much because it's like kick or run because you need to save your life. But it's not always good for us to stay there, particularly now. We can't live in that. And so when our eyes are fixed on it, we're, we're, we're consumed by this emotion of fear. And fear does a lot of things, but I'm going to talk about two things that it does tonight. One, it brings confusion. Fear brings confusion. Partly because I'm not using reason as much. Like that deeper thinking part of my brain starts to shut down. So I'm more easily confused when I'm afraid. And things are cloudy and dark. And so I look at things, I don't completely understand them, and I'm not taking enough time to step back and to reflect on what's in front of me. And so I get really confused. And then again, it's the fight or flight response, right? I'm either running or kicking. And when I'm there, what happens is because my, my brain like slows down to, to speed up the rest of my response, when I'm around people and, I, and, and ourself as well, in the midst of fear, we dehumanize each other. Partly, right, because I'm confused and I'm not thinking with, with the deeper part of who I am. So I begin to dehumanize myself. Like, I'm so mad at myself for being afraid that I'm just calling myself names. I'm, I'm like abusing myself in my own brain because I'm so mad and angry that I'm so weak that I'm afraid. And we're dehumanizing ourselves. And then we're pointing at everybody else and we're looking and we're not treating them like someone who is created in the image and likeness of God. They're an enemy on some, on some level. And so fear confuses us and it dehumanizes how we see ourselves and other people. Now, we shouldn't be ashamed of experiencing fear. The Lord created us with that response and fear is an appropriate response to a lot of things. Like when I was walking along the edge of that cliff and I looked down, it was good for me to be afraid. Because if I was curious, you know, and like not afraid, and like what would it be like if I just stepped over there? It'd be the end of my life. 
That's what it would be. So the fear, the appropriate fear, kept me walking here. But when I get caught in the storm of fear, irrational fear, that's when the confusion and the dehumanizing comes. So Jesus invites us. He invites us in that. What he says consistently in the scriptures, be not afraid, I am with you. Be not afraid, I am with you. And who is Jesus? He is the light of the world. The darkness, we experience fear. But light brings peace, it dispels confusion. It allows us to see ourselves and others in truth. Jesus is the light of the world. And St. John tells us he came into the world as light. It says the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome the light. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, Father, I don't know about that. Do you turn on the news? Do you live in my family? It's pretty dark. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And Jesus invites us to look at him. And he tells us this. He says, to you are the light of the world. Because when we're baptized... When we're baptized, see, this is the Paschal candle. It represents Christ who has been crucified and risen. These five um, pieces of incense here represent the five wounds of Jesus. The white candle, right, is a luminous light, represents that he pierces the darkness, right? He pierces the darkness through his resurrection. He has gone through suffering and death and has conquered it. He has conquered it. And he says, then when we're baptized, we receive his own light so that we, if we're filled with him, then we become the light of the world. And he says, the lamp of the body is the eye. The lamp of the body is the eye. And if, if, right, if, if our eyes are filled with light, then our whole body is filled with light. If we're looking at the Lord and he illuminates our minds and hearts, then our whole being becomes filled with light. And this is the call right now. People are asking me, I'm asking myself, or speaking of, what do I do? What do I do in my family? What do I do in the world with the politics and the pandemic and everything? The the simple way to say it is to look at Christ, who's the light of the world. That's, That's where our focus needs to be. And as we look upon him, our minds and hearts and souls are illuminated with the fire of Christ. And then what happens is we become light. We become light. And then we go. We go into the world where the darkness is with the flame of Christ alive in our hearts. And then other people will see it. The guy in front of me and the the girl behind me who had the headlamps, they were Christ bearers for me that night. I didn't have a light, but they did. 
And they were Christ bearers, light bearers for me that night, brought me home safe. The world needs Christ bearers. The world needs Christians to be filled with light so that we can help bring people home. That guy wasn't perfect and that girl wasn't perfect, but what they did have was light. The Lord's not asking us to be completely perfect now. He knows we're on a journey, calling us to deeper and deeper sanctification, but he just wants to illuminate our minds and hearts so that we go out into the world with his light to begin to dispel the darkness that others are experiencing. So how do we do that? Again, looking at him. Two simple ways I'm gonna invite you. One is continued prayer, daily prayer, especially with the scriptures. It says, the word, Lord, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Where am I going? How do I do? I don't know, but your word, Lord, will illuminate it for me. Your word will illuminate the path. And then studying because our minds, right, our minds are darkened. Our minds are clouded because of sin. We need to be illuminated by the truth. Jesus is the light of the world because he is the truth. The world confuses us. The world does not always teach the truth and is drinking sometimes from confusion about who we are as men and women, about what it means to be in relationship with each other. And so we need to study the truths of the faith so that the light of the gospel illuminates us, so we know how to live as individuals, we know how to live in relationship as men and women, that we know how to live in families and communities because the light of the truth of Christ illuminates our minds and hearts and souls. And then we become light. So I'm gonna invite right now Father Matthew to come and to expose the blessed sacrament. And as he be, in just a second, as he begins to come forward and expose the blessed sacrament, our prayer tonight is we're going to be inviting Jesus to come, to come in a, and to cast out fear. Again, do not be ashamed for experiencing fear. It is human. It is human. When Jesus showed up in the upper room and they were afraid, what he did not say is, you should be ashamed of yourselves for being afraid. I thought you were stronger than this. Why are you so afraid? I taught you better than that. I'm going to find some other apostles. I'm going to find some other disciples. He didn't say that. They were afraid. And he said, peace be with you. Peace. Be not afraid. I am here. And then he showed them his hands and his side. He says, are you afraid of suffering? Are you afraid of death? Are you afraid of these Romans? Are you afraid of them? Because look, look in my hands. Look in my side. Yes, they killed me, but I'm alive. Be not afraid. Jesus says, you will have trouble in the world. To be a Christian is not to receive a promise that we will not have trouble, that we will not have suffering. Jesus tells us, you will have trouble in the world, but take courage, I have overcome the world. And peace be with you. Be not afraid, because I am with you. And so he comes tonight in the most holy Eucharist.
So I invite you to kneel. Preparing our hearts for the Lord. Whatever, whatever right now that we, we feel our interior gaze is upon that is making us afraid, problems in our family, issues in the church, the political issues, relationships with your peers, school, the pandemic, whatever it is, if we're looking at it, it is making us afraid. And so we pray, we pray, not being ashamed of our fear, but going before the Lord as poor and little. Going before him as poor and little. And just asking him for the grace to experience his love for us as we're afraid. To not being afraid of our poverty, not being afraid of our fear, not being ashamed of our fear, but coming before the Lord, just asking for the grace to be loved by him, even in the midst of our fear. Jesus speaks by his Eucharistic presence, which is a silent presence, but a powerful presence. Be not afraid. I am with you. Emmanuel, the light of the world.